Why is it as soon as we hit record that he starts getting choppy? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he's getting me? choppy. Yeah. Is, is it any better? Or are you freaking serious? No. Tell me you're shitting me. You can't hear me at all, can you? We can, we can hear, hear you, you, but it's... It's just very disoriented and, and choppy. Choppy yeah. and you sound like you're underwater. I, what the hell? Oh, Josh. Fucking stuff. What? Now I'm gone, aren't <laughs> hey, I? Hey, Josh. Oh, my God. I can't tell if someone's screwing with me or not. Josh. <laughs> I hey, can't Josh. tell if he is or not, you know, because I can't see him. This is going to be horrible. You know? Hey, Josh. God damn it. Stop. <laughs> this is this is like the opening. Hey, man, of... you should probably get out of the water, this man. Like the... <laughs> this is like the opening of Last Jedi when Poe is dicking around Hux. <laughs> Son of a bitch. All right. Is, is it what? really still that bad? It's so much. He said something about like it's like it's like Poe trying to trying to call Hux. I got I got the joke. I got it. No, yeah, I get the joke. Okay, can you hear? Yep. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Oh, there went Josh. Andy, I couldn't tell if you were trying to do a bit or like if you you were just. No, I was just trying to get him to be like, what? And I'd be like, get out of water. But he never said what. He was just like, damn it, he's fucking with me. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was trying to, but he, he wouldn't. So I just kept, like, it just kept going. It was just like... You ruined my of, joke. Yeah. It, was just, it just kept going. I don't know. It was weird. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bry Guy and Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is Andy No Note Stoles. What's up, podcast people? I, I, by the way, I like this nickname for you, so I'm going to keep using it probably every time. <laughs> uh, next up, he almost didn't make it because he was trying to find Swamp Thing to get that picture. Josh Zorch. It's worth 10 grand. I'm not, you know, I'm sorry, I'll, be, I'll risk being like 20 minutes late. And lastly, he's the swampiest thing, Mike Bradley. <laughs> you know, I'm sad there wasn't a Con Air reference in there for mine. Um, yeah, Swamp <laughs> Thing from Con Air was the best version of Swamp Thing. I'll stand by that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot that was the, the guy who becomes the pilot. That was his nickname, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'll Good do play. better next. Oh, wait, we're out of Swamp Thing movies, so I can't do better the next time. <laughs> but we do have a Nicolas Cage movie on the wheel now. So. That's true. That's true. And Con Air's a Nicolas Cage movie, so you can still draw back to Con Air at some point. <laughs> Whenever that I one comes keep that up. that in my back pocket. Yeah. Um, all right, so before we get into anything, anything that anyone would like to plug, uh, we'll just go around the horn. Andy, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at thedruid79, T-H-E-D-R-E-W-I-D-7-9. Nice, nice. Josh, anything? Yep. Okay. Mike, what do you want to set up? Uh, you can check out the YouTube channel, Rare Achievements. You can check out 
me live on stream starting next week, five days a week on Twitch at twitch.tv slash rare achievements. Next week, we've got some Destiny, we've got some Hitman 3, we've got some Dark Souls 3 Cinders mod to look at. That's going to be fun stuff. Nice, nice. Um, and then anyone that wants to find me, uh, I am Jedi Bry Guy, Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. Uh, most places, find me on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, uh, all of all of the things. Uh, the socials for the show will we'll, we'll hit at the end of the episode, just like normal. Oh my God! You spell your name with a Y. That's so hot. It is so hot. <laughs> you should start spelling every guy time with G A I. G A I. Just really fuck up the name. Just yeah. really make it hard to find. <laughs> uh, all right, so we are doing another rewind theater. So if you are new to this series of episodes, it's basically an excuse for us to go back revisit some old comic book movies that we either haven't seen or haven't seen for a very long time. Um, our format for these has been to start with some of the comic book history of the movie that we're on, uh, since all the movies we're trying to cover are based on comic books or graphic novels. Uh, Josh has been taking the point on that one, so when we get to that point, we'll wrap around him. Uh, after that, we'll talk about some of the people involved with transitioning the property into a movie. We'll go over budgets, box office, ratings, first time watch or rewatch. Before we get into the discussion, I'll throw out the spoiler spoiler alert, spoiler warning, all that good stuff. Uh, and then we'll get into a 60-second summary, which one of us usually volunteers for ahead of time. Josh is on the hot seat for this one. Um, when we get into our main discussion, it consists of five categories. We have directing, characters and actors, story, soundtrack, and special effects and explosions. Uh, we're giving ourselves ten minutes on the timer for each of those categories to try to keep us on track. Once we go through all of that, we'll end the discussion with a rating and see if everyone thinks this movie holds up. And then finally, to take the pressure off of all of us, we leave it up to the Wheel of Fate. The Wheel of Fate! To pick the movie that we're watching next. So the Wheel will always feature two franchises and four standalone movies. At least for now, we, we may revamp that sooner rather than later. We'll talk about that when we get there. Um, but either way, at the end of the episode, we will spin the wheel to see what we're watching next. So at the end of our, if you've been keeping track, at the end of our Atomic Blonde episode, uh, the Wheel landed on 1989's the Return of Swamp Thing, which is our first franchise to be off the board. We did the first Swamp Thing. I can't remember even what episode number what that was, but that was earlier on. We did the first one. Five. Uh, so this franchise only has two numbers, two movies in it. So we are on the second one, and that will clear the board for Swamp Thing. So kicking us off in this episode and bringing us up to speed on the comic book background. Since we actually weren't doing this segment whenever we did the first Swamp Thing movies, this is still all new information for yeah. all of us. Uh, oh, so, Josh, nice. whenever you're ready, take us to school. All right, class. We're going to start and uh, focus mainly on the creation of the character and uh, really where its roots came from. <laughs> Get it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The uh, The character comes about in 19— 19... He's got jokes now. <laughs> we need a laugh track. Uh, <laughs> yes. We yes, we do. In there. Make that happen. Uh, the character— is invented in 1971 by writer Len Wein and artist Bernie Wrightson. Len Wein began his career at uh, DC Comics in the late 60s. Uh, a few years later, uh, well, a few years after the creation of Swamp Thing, uh, he went to Marvel. And I bring this up just to name drop a couple of things here. Um, yeah, Len Wein just, oh, I don't know, he co-created Wolverine in 1974 oh, okay. with, uh, with Roy Thomas and artists John Romita Sr. and Herb Trimp or Trimpy. I'm not sure what the pronunciation is. Trimpy. Trimpy, thank you. 
Um, and then also goes on within like the next like year or two to also co-create Nightcrawler, Storm, Colossus, a uh, character called Thunderbird that I'm not as familiar with, but he did those four with artist David Cockrum. In the later 70s, about 77, he heads back to DC. And by 1979, he is working on Batman. And Damn. during his very first issue of being in charge of Batman, he creates Lucius Fox. Wow. Okay. Uh, had a very, very uh, uh, rich career uh, for, for, for the next 40 years. And um, just to tie it back to something we've already done, he was the main editor on Watchmen. When it went to print with okay, DC. Okay, so he's had his hand in a lot of stuff. Very much. I realize. To, to answer your question, by the way, Josh. Yes. Thunderbird is the older brother of Warpath, who you may remember from Days of Future Past, Future Past. as right. the okay. uh, character there. Yeah. Thunderbird dies about five issues after being introduced. <laughs> well, co creator credits nonetheless. Um, sadly, uh, we lost Len Wein in September of 1977 to illness. Um, and I only scratched the surface of what the guy was involved with. There, there were, uh, animation, like there were media credits on, over like every medium, um, Marvel and DC, uh, animated shows, comics, uh, input in, in a lot of areas. Um, so he's, I, I've, I've often heard him talked about from people who are way more authoritative on this stuff than I am, um. That he's like one of those like top ten people, um, and they they tend not to exaggerate in that way, you know, when they talk about it that way. So he he's a a heavy hitter. Um, his partner in crime, uh, artist Bernie Wrightson, uh, they kind of had a similar path at first. He also started at DC in the late '60s. Also later works for Marvel. Um, while he's at DC, he co-creates a character with writer Mark. I'm sorry, Marv Wolfman in 1972 called Destiny. Why is this important worth noting? This is the same Destiny that Neil Gaiman later uses as one of the Endless in Sandman. And in fact, is the only member of the Endless from the Sandman series that Gaiman didn't create. He's not credited as the creator of. It's the only one he pulled from existing um, you know, IP and, and, and other someone else's previous creation. Um Interestingly, uh, Wrightson starts working with Stephen King in the 1980s. He does a comic adaptation of Stephen King's Creep Show. Uh, he then does illustrated collaborations for The Stand. Uh, Mike, you might be familiar with this. I know you're uh, a big King fan. The Wolves of Kala, I came across. Um, and whatever the, I, I'm not sure if there's a subtitle to this, but the fifth entry in the Dark Tower series. He collaborated with King on that as well. Uh, this will perk everybody up. He also, through the 80s and then the 90s, early 2000s, became a concept artist for film, um, in addition to all these other things. So he starts dabbling. His first one of note that I came across, um, he did concept art for Ghostbusters. Oh, nice. Yes. Um, he is also uh, found in the credits of The Faculty. <laughs> That uh, like teenage horror movie from the late '90s with Usher. John Stewart and many others. Uh, Galaxy Quest, which really became like a cult favorite uh, years later. That. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, I think that the the 2002, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man, 
uh, goes back to some Stephen King properties. He works on The Mist, which I think was around like 2004, 2005-ish. Uh, Land of the Dead from Romero. Uh, and then uh, Serenity with uh, with Whedon and, and company. Um, we also sadly lost uh, Bernie in 2017 as well, about six months before uh, Len in, in March of 2017. Um, about a, a month after his passing, the season finale of The Walking Dead uh, dedicated their season finale to him. Uh, we'll spin back around to going into the character Can itself. Can I ask a quick question? I Is it about the date? Because I feel like he said yeah. he said yeah, a different date earlier. You said that Len Wein died in the 70s. No, he definitely so, said 1977 earlier. Yeah. Okay, if I did, it's because 77 was around there so much. I'm sorry, it was September of 2017. Okay. okay. He started working at DC in 77, worked and, and did a lot of other things for the next four years. It, it sounded wrong when I you misspoke. said it the first time, but I just let it go. And then, now when you said the same year, I'm like, hmm. I was thinking like, wow, that guy did a lot of stuff before the 70s. That's That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, maybe this Sorry. just teaches me not to take notes. Andy, I can really <laughs> learn something from you. It's an art form. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, apologies. They both passed in 2017. Uh, the artist in March, the writer in September. Uh, getting around back to the character itself of Swamp Thing. Uh, the character first appeared in something called House of Secrets, number 92. It's just It was just a, a, a typically a one-off horror comic series and and typically they didn't have you know ongoing storylines or, or anything um but by the next year uh they had spun the character off into its own solo series so these this team worked on it from 1972 to 1976 um the next several years after that saw attempted revivals by different teams of writers and artists with admittedly from what seemed like very minimal success and at the time, uh, it, the the character was basically on the precipice of just being canceled for quite a while, probably uh, by DC. When along comes Alan Moore, a relative unknown at the time, but you know, staff writer for DC on some other titles, he wants to take a crack at it, and they say, "Sure, it's on the chopping block anyway. Go nuts and see if we, you know, see what you can do with it." And so this also occurs, this is important to note, note the timeline. This is, the first publication of his run of it is about two years after the first Swamp Thing film. Uh, Wes Craven writes and directs the first Swamp Thing, I think that was 1982. And Alan Moore's run on it starts in 1984. Uh, he completely remakes the character's origin as well as just sort of his essence of, of being and one two we can dive into what that means and really what the main differences were but um i have read these books you can find them and broken out in typically like a six volume series typically uh common more commonly referred to as the saga of swamp thing is the middle of the second series uh which include alan, alan moore's run it's technically issues 20 to 58 60 61 63 and 64 um but it is really damn good um, it's really good storytelling, and, and I see also why someone like Moore starts to get, um, uh, you know, his notoriety at at this time. 
Uh, before yeah, well, it's before, a lot of what led to like him getting leeway too from the publisher that, to do projects that like Watchmen helped. and V for Vendetta. Right, and if he had not stumbled on, I, I'm guessing if he had not stumbled onto a character that he wanted to try, who was also in such dire straits that they just gave him basically like complete creative control, and he, if he had to work within a a different you know boundary framework at that time, all those series of events may not have played out. Um, before that second series that Moore was involved with in the middle wraps up, just of note, uh, that, that second series runs basically up into the, like, low 170s issue numbers. Toward the end of it, um, you have writers like Grant Morrison and Mark Millar, um, who were at DC at the time. Millar, who's also the creator of Wanted, Kick-Ass, Kingsman, they would work on that, um... A few years later, they reboot again in the third series. Uh, writer, uh, uh, Brian K. Vaughn, uh, who is known for Why the Last Man, which is uh, a show currently in production with uh, FX. He is the lead kickoff author for the third series. Over the years, a fourth and fifth series followed with a couple of miniseries thrown in between. Um, the two films that we've you know, the one we've already discussed, the one that we're discussing today, uh, you know, spurred from this. There was also an early 90s uh, short-lived television series following this film. And uh, then starting in 2019, uh, DC and Warner Brothers took a crack at uh, making live-action TV again. I, I would say from having watched that first season, that definitely draws more from the version, the Alan Moore-conceived version of the character and there's like one or two small aspects actually in the return of swamp thing that we'll talk about right now uh as we'll get into it that i could probably point to and say oh i remember that from reading the saga and i don't think that was part of it beforehand so there's like little bits of influence that they let in but um i think all of the history shows that like this character was probably much more present than people realized and I mean, the staying power of it is something that I can, I think, can still be explored. So that's it. Nice, well done. Uh, so transitioning to who brought this property into a movie, um, off the cuff, kind of, did anybody actually look anything up on IMDb for this movie, specifically for the director? Because I told Josh not to <laughs> when I started to stumble upon what this guy did. You're, no, you're I lucky I didn't. I didn't happen to. I think I glanced at a couple of the characters as I was watching it, but like the actors. Um, but no, I didn't check anybody else. Because I think I, I was texting Josh as I was watching, like, what the hell is this movie? And I think the tone and certain things with this movie will make sense when you hear some of this director's body of work. Can I mm. guess ahead of uh, What? Can I, like, literally just off the cuff guesses based on what I saw? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Do I have a shot at this, or is it like... I don't know. <laughs> I'll give you one guess. I get... Oh, well, if it's down to one, so, something this guy worked on in addition to Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing was very uh early in his career. Mm. Okay, so probably something from the 90s is what I should guess. He's got a very long... He, he directed, and this is why I was, at first I was like, what the fuck? I have to have known something else that he's done. He's got credit for 104 movies. Holy shit. Okay. As a director. As a director. Okay, well then, Beverly Hills Ninja. No. <laughs> okay, well. I, took my, I, I shot my shot. It was, it was, it was a good shot. Yeah, he, I'm starting Chris to Farley wonder. At all? No, no Chris Farley, no. Oh. 
Um, I'm starting to wonder if there was something Beverly Hills related in any of the movies that he's done. I feel like that might Chihuahua? make a title somewhere. <laughs> was the Chihuahua I'm taking one? a quick glance to make sure. I don't see anything. Okay, so anyway, all right. So the director is Jim Wynorski. And again, checking his IMDb, he's got over 100 films to his name. However, most of his extensive career came after Swamp Thing, and it seems to be centered on the types of softcore movies you would find on Skinamax late at night, <laughs> such as uh, Alabama Jones and the Busty Crusade, nice. the Breastford Wives, oh. <laughs> the Hills Have Thighs, uh, oh, nice, Sex I've seen that one. Uh, what was there's it? at least four movies with busty cops in the title. <laughs> the one you missed was Sexapede, Josh. Sexapede, yeah. Like, was it human sexapede or was it just... Yeah, just sexapede. Did that come out <laughs> I'm, before, I'm... after, in the same time frame? Was it a parody on Human Centipede? I'm kind of... Sexapede was 2014. Definitely yep. could have been. So yeah. I, I, I was assuming Human Centipede-ish. Okay. Um, there was at least four movies with the Bear Wench project in the title. <laughs> nice. So he really specialized uh, in like, the parody market. <laughs> currently in post-production on Bigfoot or Bust <laughs> which I'm assuming is still in line with the rest of these movies so I wonder if legitimately not even just making like a stupid man joke the the one actress who was like head of like co-head of security and like butted heads <laughs> with the other guy she was a playmate that was in she her was bio yeah like, like that yeah, she came like from you, the porn yeah. world so I wonder, I, who knows, like maybe they struck up like a professional relationship. I don't know if there's any uh, uh, thing later on between them, but she's like, maybe that was getting insight or anything. Discussions with her made him realize, ah, I could go that direction. So he's only got one, two, three, four, five movies before the return of Swamp Thing. None of them, I think, are, are softcore Skinamaxi-ish. What do you think <laughs> um, that this... The chances are that this was an accident when he signed on because he heard they signed Dick DeRock to star in the movie. <laughs> well, it does seem like he goes a couple years without starting to hit that kind of stuff. Like, I don't I don't know. I, I'd have to really dive into every one of these movies to see when they took the turn. But you start seeing titles like Victim of Desire, Hard Bounty, <laughs> Body of Chemistry, or Body Chemistry 4. So he starts out more like Anne Rice and he ends up more like Twilight. Oh, my God. Uh, Mike, you probably know this one. He directed Chopping Mall. No. Never. <laughs> Brian, okay, Brian, in a very late episode of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, okay. Oh, my God, I've lost everybody's character names already. <laughs> um, he makes a dis uh, uh, Someone makes an offhand comment about, like, they're kind of going back and forth on, like, being connoisseurs of you know like bad early like 70s and 80s horror they okay. mentioned chopping mall oh geez that's a deep cut yeah yeah so chopping mall is his second credit wow he did the lost empire chopping mall death stalker 2 big bad mama 2 not of this earth and then return of the swamp thing or return of swamp thing i feel like big, big bad mama 2 has got to be some of the soft core stuff right i don't let me take Click a quick on peek at it. that one. I'm almost. See, okay, so there's some like Sorority House Massacre 2. Like, that's probably not a, like, that's not a Skinamax, that but could that's. Go that, both. Well, right. but that, yeah, that. It's not all Skinamax, but that was what I gravitated toward. It's like, yes, like, sexploitation. Yes. Like, cra crappy, yeah. crappy horror f with excuses for lots of nudity. Yes. 
I mean, it seems like mid nineties, late nineties is when he makes the turn into that and just starts leaning really hard into a lot of those movies. Oh, you wow. just said that. So. I, I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's cleavage field, Josh. There you go. <laughs> Instead of Cloverfield. Yeah. <laughs> I want to That's actually kind of clever. Cleavage field. It's like a meadow. You, you prance in it, right? Oh, wow. Or, or, is, sure or, is, it, or is it like a big yes, cleavage exactly. monster that destroys a city? I don't know. I'll You're report back. Tell us. Yeah. It's a whole bunch yeah. of shaky cans. <laughs> oh, I hate it already. Found, found footage. I don't care how many boobs are in that movie. I hate it. They put a couple of GoPros on a couple of busty ladies and just have them start running. <laughs> Andy, you're the next director. You're, you're I know. It, field sound, two. it sounds amazing, right? No, cleavage no. Field ten, two. I'm ten cleavage field lane. Come on. Stay <laughs> oh, that, true. True. Um, yeah, so there's that. Uh, <laughs> the, the movie was written by Neil Cuthbert and Grant Morris. Neither person really has many writing credits, um, but Neil Cuthbert at least has some written some movies that I've, I've heard of and I've seen. Uh, so after Return of Swamp Thing, he wrote Hocus Pocus. Oh, Mystery oh, Man. Hey. Shit. And the Adventures of Pluto Nash. Did you say Mystery Men? Mystery Men, yeah. Oh yeah, I like that movie. Another. So of those are the only four he's done after eight. Swamp Thing. That's it for his writing credits. But at least some of them are well known. I mean, yeah. Uh, the I movie mean, movie stars up. some of the same people that were in the first one. Uh, Louis Jordan returns. Um, Dick Durek returns. I think those are the only couple returning cast members that I can remember. I believe I mean, so. Almost everybody else dies from the first movie, don't they? Yeah, okay. And then we get additions with uh, Heather Locklear, Sarah Douglas, uh, Joey Segal, Ace Mask, Monique, uh, Gabriel. The list goes on. Uh, some of these other people, I don't know if they actually had. It's it's hard to tell just looking at the list of IMDb because I really don't remember character names or what the hell anybody did. So I don't remember who was actually prominent in the movie, but I just went through like the first six or seven. Ace Mask was the best name I came across. <laughs> in the cast so I, seeing that in the credits i love that joey seagal by the way whether you know it or not is the brother of katie seagal better known as peg bundy peg bundy yeah, yeah. Okay. So. nice uh normally this is where i start to get into uh box office totals uh, i couldn't really find those from my normal sources like box office mojo does not list that uh so I have some varying results, and I don't know if they're concrete or not, so I'm not really going to make you guys guesses, guess okay. for these. But Google told me that the first Swamp Thing was made for around $2.5 and that this movie had a budget smaller than that one. Okay, so I'll believe that. That's all I got. Uh, as far as worldwide box office, um, box office mojo listed, all they had was listed was the domestic total, which was 193000 uh, Wikipedia lists the total box office is two hundred seventy-five thousand. Okay, so it did not make a lot of money. Do we know? Was this a straight to VHS sort of movie? I didn't. I tried to find that somewhere, but I couldn't find anything concrete. I mean, I feel like the fact that it has world, like box office totals, it might not be, but I don't know. I don't know if that's like a, like it went to DVD first and then, or, you know, home video first and then just, just played in theaters after that, just as like a yeah. B-movie thing. That's possible. And that's why it doesn't have a lot of credit. Little like, uh, you picking know, it up and playing like a, right. You know, right. Swamp Thing double, double feature. feature. Yeah. 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 One of those. Um, as far as ratings, 
uh, for Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. We'll we'll talk about these now, and then we'll we'll revisit them when it comes to our own ratings. So Rotten Tomatoes right now has it with a critic rating as forty four percent, audience rating twenty eight percent. Metacritic has a meta score of thirty nine and a user score of six point five. Yeah, six point five. Mike's looking at me with that. Wait, with that out score. of ten or out of a hundred? Out, out of ten. Yeah, user okay. score is six point five out of ten. How many people reviewed it? Does it say that that's like three reviews? I don't know if they have a aggregate number, <laughs> like, like a total number of reviewers on that. I looked that hard at it, to be honest. <laughs> uh, so going around the horn for everybody, uh, Andy, first watch or rewatch for it's definitely a first watch. First watch, uh, Mike. You know, I. I don't remember seeing it, but I feel like when I was a kid, I was, like, forced to sit through this against my will at some point. You know, one of those things that I was, like, begging my dad to turn off at some point, and he didn't. But I don't... Like, I feel like I had seen scenes from this before. Okay. But I can't recall, like, specifics. So, sure, first. But okay. maybe not. Uh, Josh, first or rewatch? First. Okay. Yeah, this is the first time for me, too. I, I haven't seen... It was the first time for Swamp Thing for me, too. I haven't seen any of these movies before. So this was a treat. <laughs> um, all right, so it's that time of the show when we're going to get to our discussion portion. Uh, since we'll be covering everything that is in the movie, I'm going to throw out the spoiler alert now. So if you have not seen The Return of Swamp Thing and don't want spoiled for a 23-year-old movie, pause this now, come back to us after you watch the film. Or if you'd rather just listen to us talk about a movie you still haven't seen, then feel free, listen on. We will be here. Either way. Last call for spoiler warning. Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. Alright, so with our new format, the best way we found to kick off uh, being into the spoiler territory is to go with our 60-second summary of the movie. And again, we have Josh on the hot seat. So whenever you're ready, I will start the timer. Well, before I do 60 start... 60 seconds on the... I, oh, I, good. I, I will correct your math that's going to make us feel way older the movie is 30 what 32 years not 23 and what did I, oh jesus christ i'm dyslexic probably dyslexia. when i wrote that down <laughs> but we are that old yes motherfucker yeah thanks for that josh appreciate that <laughs> yes we were alive thank you <laughs> <laughs> um all right 60 seconds on the clock uh-huh i've got the alarm ready you're, you're gonna have to tell me to start, all right? All right. Three, two, one, start. The movie opens with what appears to be a group of accountants on a team-building retreat mucking through the swamps. They are attacked by a mutant monster that kills several of the CPAs before Swamp Thing arrives to fend them off. Anton Arcane is back. He's in human form again. Remember, he turned into the Swamp Rat Monster thing at the end of the first movie and was stabbed by Swamp Thing with, I think, Excalibur. His wife is dead. Don't worry, we didn't meet her in the first movie anyway, but his 30-year-old stepdaughter, Abby, whom he never told about her mother's death, arrives to casually stay at his place for a while. Arcane is still playing cross-species gene-splicing games and has several experiments on hand in his lab. He has been hunting Swamp Thing for an undisclosed period of time and has some sort of decomposition condition he's dealing with and his scientists are working on that arcane's team finds swamp thing and literally literally blows him up with grenades it's cool though his cells travel through the swamp and come out of the bathtub of his lead researcher who is also his booty call she betrays him after finding out that arcane and another scientist plan to kill her in a procedure intended to save arcane but after the betrayal arcane shoots her dead anyway abby meanwhile was almost deliverance by white trash bayou hicks but saved by swamp thing they like to grow each other they trip balls together for meaning part of his body she's recaptured by her stepdad's security team and used to perform the procedure to save him she dies too swamp thing kills a 
lot of poor creature experiments and people while blowing up Arcane's lab and house, presumably finally killing him too, and removing Abby's corpse. He uses swamp magic to bring her back to life in a fairly chipper disposition. Credits. All things considered, like, you were over the timer, but that was, I love that. That was damn good. How far did I go over? You did your best micro machines. That was, I love that. Well done. How far did I go over? Uh, I, I just set a 60-second timer, so the alarm went off at 60 seconds. Oh, okay. Or a couple seconds after that. <laughs> damn, man. Did you even, like, breathe? That was pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went through that, I kid you not, probably 15 times earlier today. <laughs> To the point where I was like, I, I told Brian I had recorded it beforehand because I realized like there's no way I'll be able to get this in under a minute doing it for real. So I tried to 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 get it out. So I that was like that. There's no way I could have done that on a first run without <laughs> tripping up or anything. I mean, I'm kind of sad you didn't end it with like the way that usually those things end when you go like credits. Like you just like take the breath and say the last word at the same time. <laughs> and I I. I feel really bad about leaving the two kids out of it, but they were, cause they were <laughs> fun, but they were the most inconsequential thing again to the whole plot. Yeah. Agreed. Um, all right. So we're going to go to our five topics now with 10 minutes on the clock for each of them. Um, Mike, we'll start with you. Which one would you like to start with direction, story, actors, characters, soundtrack, or special effects? Um, you know what? Let's just dive right into the shit heap and go story. Okay. Story um, is 10 minutes on the clock. So I'm going to file this under writing with the story as well in my own mind. There is one line in this movie that... Man, who the fuck wrote this line? <laughs> I, I, I want to know. I want to get your guys' opinion on just oh, how the hell... the one I texted Josh about. <laughs> how the hell does this end up in a movie? So, um, what's her name in this? I can't Abby. remember. Abby, right. Abby and Swamp Thing are uh, walking, if I believe it's during the middle of the day, and she's like, wow, this place is so beautiful. And he tells her that it used to be a giant plantation. And it used to be inhabited by mostly slaves. Right. And she responds, I can't imagine anyone not loving this place, or something to that effect. Yep, I wrote that down too. <laughs> Who wrote that? <laughs> that is literal. This is not like dialogue later down the road. That is her direct response to this place was filled with slaves. I can't imagine anybody not loving this. Yep. Well, it's either what Neil Cuthbert or Grant Morris. Which one do you want to pick for that one? <laughs> <sighs> you know what? They, they they share responsibility. That what the hell is wrong with you? Did you did you like hear that as a director? We can talk about it in directing, but how do you hear that line and say, "Yep, that sounds right." This, I mean, did you watch the rest of the movie? It's... <laughs> I, I feel like it's right in line with the rest of the movie. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, okay. that that that's a pretty deep cut. Yeah, you're right. But I mean, it's it's not like it was G given the rest well of it. Is that otherwise, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um. So, in terms of the rest of the story, for me, um, is this writing in story, or should I just yeah, focus on like plot? Either one. Yeah, I think okay. it, it both fits. Um, the yeah. puns are fucking amazing. There, there are so <laughs> many puns in this movie. Yeah. I got to give it a lot of Vegetable puns were re really good. Yeah. Vegetable puns. And then there's a lot of like um, the thing like, oh, don't you ever knock? And then Swamp Thing throws a guy through the gate and goes, knock, knock. Um, <laughs> I like just shit like that is fucking awesome. Um, so the, the rest of it in terms of the story. 
it felt pointless. The, the the basic plot just felt like it was meandering and going nowhere the entire time. None of it mattered. None of it felt important. And everything was just forced actions that the characters were pushed into for no reason whatsoever. Um, yet, sure, we have the guy who's trying to rebuild himself, but he already rebuilt himself, but he it doesn't actually work. And we don't really get explained why he needs... What the hell is going on with that? We've got a guy with a half-elephant head. Tell me more about that guy. <laughs> Like, seriously, if we're going to have this plot that means nothing, give me more on Elephant Face. I, I don't know <laughs> what to call this guy, but give me more on him. Give me, give um, me. I think the only thing I wanted more on was the um, the lightning chamber that, like, made things evaporate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was pretty cool, but, like, we got nothing other than, poof, it's gone, and they're like, okay, <laughs> next next project. <laughs> well, wait, didn't the, the other it's guy... It's garbage disposal for failed experiments. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I wrote a note at the beginning of the movie that said, like, oh, we're going to see somebody die in this later that matters. Like, somebody that's a real character is going to either be threatened with this or die in that thing when they first showed it. And then, who, who, what's the inhaler guy that goes in there, right? Yeah, the 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 male scientist. Yeah, yeah eventually, yeah, later. After, after, after he, he, like after the he gets... Brainiac yeah. head later. Yeah. And can I just say him coming out and popping the inhaler, like he shows up with his brainiac head and he's like, ah, ready to go now. That was fucking amazing. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. At that moment, I genuinely like th- this movie was camp. This oh, was 100%. 100% camp. Yeah. yeah. And that moment right there got me to crack up laughing <laughs> because they set that up so well. Like I'm watching it through the beginning of the movie. Like all this guy has is an inhaler. That's this guy's entire character. And later he shows up with a Brainiac head and does that. That was, to me, that's paying off the way a story should, you know? Fair. That That's character development. Um, <laughs> the, that's the kid... character development. You've got a lot of fucking issues. Yeah, you've got, you got a low bar for character development there. In this movie? <laughs> come on. Um, the kids are the best part of this entire story. They're the best part of this whole movie. <laughs> you, you said they feel meaningless. They feel like they mean more to this movie than any of the rest of the movie means to anything. Um, That's personally, like Ian <laughs> what's that? So it sounds like something Ian would say. <laughs> well, he's not here. I got to make up for him and me a little bit. I guess I, I feel like I'm gonna pick up that slack. I don't know. Anyways, um, their story with the camera, that arc. That's amazing. That's I mean these these kids have a story, and then we even get like you find out that they're the real story the whole time because they have a post credit scene kind of. They had a mid credit stinger. I wrote that shit yeah. down. <laughs> the camera wasn't even on the whole time. That's I mean, it, it was well done on that. They they paid off on the kids. I mean I'm sorry they were great. Um. <laughs> But they, I mean, no. In all honesty, the the story is just garbage. It's it's hot garbage. It it was it was like I'll open it. It was oversimplified, and so in order to make you try to distract you from the fact that it was oversimplified, they just wrote a whole bunch of stuff to happen in between the like four basic things that needed to happen. So, yeah. And, and and among those things that they wrote is, like, when she first meets him, and he's like, oh, but look at me, I'm a monster. And she's like, I'm a vegetarian. And it's just like, is she just saying I suck plant dick? I I, wrote, I, I mean, like, is that what that is meant to say? You, I mean, well, you know I, now I wrote, this guy wound up as a softcore porn director. 
that is softcore porn. There's a dialogue. lot of innuendos in this movie, I think, that are there that make a lot of sense when you see the rest of his body work. <laughs> that's what. Yeah, yeah I didn't when, like when he together. hands her the the flower that they both chew from. I thought he was handing her like his veggie dick. Like, yeah, I thought that too. Yeah, <laughs> to like pleasure herself with. Lie. Yeah, I was like, uh. So there, I, know, I, I thought okay. Th- not I I I didn't think it was going that way, but like in the background uh, discussion, w- when I said like I think there's like one or two small aspects that from like Alan Moore that they might have pulled from, that was actually one of them. That during at, I I don't know if it existed beforehand, but I know definitely during his stuff that I did read, there is a part where Swamp Thing, it's not always directly off his body. I don't think, but he can, he'll basically like produce. He'll produce things that originate from his body that he might, like, plant for a short period of time. And then he will give them to her. And as, it like, her ingesting them connects her to him in the green. The, like, you know, just uh, 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 ethereal network of, you know, earth and plant life and whatnot. It's a psychotropic drug. Yeah. And, And that... Actually, kind of. I mean, she basically hallucinates, like hallucinates having sex with him, right? That's the, sort of the gist that I got of it. See, I the way I took it in that depiction, she, yes. He makes but... her high, and she sees him as a man, while he's really not. But that's what she's seeing. Yeah, and it really happens. That's how I took it. Okay, so but at least bar- borrowing that idea, I think, her. might have come from the books. Two I, minutes I on the clock. I want to get Andy in here. Go, Andy, yeah, what do yeah, you got no, go for story? Um. What story? <laughs> really, that I feel like they just sort of took, like, the characters' names and threw them into a pot, and then just started like, okay, this is what they're doing. Okay, this is what they're doing. There, it it had really, it just did. Yeah, it it there wasn't a story to me. It just it just seemed like it was a whole bunch of random shit. Yeah, I feel like there was there was numerous times where like you you think it's getting ready to set up the next scene and then just just steamrolls into the next scene like the when I think Abby and Swamp Thing are somewhere in the jungle and he's like okay bye I'll see you later and then he literally just turns around and she gets abducted right there in front of him and it's like what the fuck just happened? I mean that pretty much happened in the first movie kind of he walked away from Alice like for twenty is that just feet. the mo for Swamp Thing movies like we're just gonna make sure everyone's abducted right in front of him every time. Like we're gonna eliminate the part we have to find her, or we think you know there's just not enough time in the store in the movie to draw this out. So let's just make it happen right here, right now. Apparently, I am I am I forgetting? I, I could have sworn Arcane turned into the rat monster thing in the first one and was nearly, if not killed. Yeah, I'm but pretty the, sure. He says in this one that he come he he was he managed to bring himself back with something to do with his wife's. DNA or something? Yeah, there's like some shitty, like barely th- you notice a throwaway line that the one scientist says about it. But I, I just want to make sure I was not wrong about that. No, you're not no, wrong. That's what yeah, I remember they, too. No, yeah. they, they mean, need Swamp yeah. Thing's DNA to make it work properly or some shit, or his daughters or something. They need somebody's DNA to make it step make up him, to, yeah. ma- to make it like, stick. Yeah, but how? Uh, there's like only one half sentence that they offer to explain how he got from mutated monster swamp rat thing back to you know r- running an antebellum estate again like it i didn't <laughs> do, do you think the people that wrote the dialogue in this movie 
really had it in them to offer a legible and understandable explanation as to what actually happened. I mean, definitely by the end, no. So it was not okay. a not not a let down expectation. <laughs> I wonder if they didn't have a contract with the guy, the antagonist from the first movie for two movies, and had to just throw something together. <laughs> I mean, he's the biggest name, so I'd believe that. Yeah, it's it's very much just like retconning whatever they can. Just you know, we we I don't sequels today are like almost planned like okay we're gonna do a sequel or, or if we get to a sequel this is the story we're gonna do this one definitely just feels like okay the first one did some stuff second one's gonna do some stuff who cares if they connect or what they do let's just make another one um josh what category do you want to hit for our second one i would like to go to characters and actors i believe all right characters and actors 10 minutes um uh, so we got introduction of heather locklear um did anybody catch in one of her i think her opening scene in like the plant shop she makes a uh passing reference to tj hooker yeah i did i caught yeah. that i did not she, tj whatever yeah tj whatever which she was on and she yeah. was on that <laughs> with and she was on that years before this um and she was on the show with william shatner and like a minute before she makes the tj record reference tj hooker reference um, she also makes a joke about Star Trek. Oh, yeah. I caught that one. Um, <laughs> don't remember. But, oh, this kind of makes sense. Um, the I, do, I don't think that the voice of Swamp Thing fit well with Swamp Thing this time. And I, I, something I saw in passing was that the voice was dubbed by someone who was never credited and it might have been done by the studio afterward because the actor and the director didn't know it until they saw like the premiere or the like the final cut or something. But it just stood out to me immediately that just the 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 presence that they were trying to convey by Swamp Thing, that voice was not doing it. I don't I don't know if it's just like a, a thing with older movies, but this one specifically, I felt I almost felt like every single person was ADR'd. Like the audio to me just felt like it was just a little bit off or like re-recorded or something. I don't know, but just the just the the way lines came through and reading people's lips, it didn't feel like it synced the way I felt like it should for everybody, not just Swamp Thing, well, but everybody. I guess we can get into it more when we get into directing. But on that same note, there is a few scenes in this movie where you can see like visible reflection of the light they're using for the camera off of the actors. Nice. <laughs> so. Um, you know what? I'll just skip to the really just my favorite part again. Let's let's talk about it. Omar and Daryl. They're no Jude, but holy damn, let's bring them back around more. <laughs> they were great. That's the the two, the two hit the, guys the, in the swamp. Uh, no, no, no. no the um kids. The kids. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I just I, think... I thought they were pretty pointless personally. Oh, they 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 were, but to to me their their interaction and the way that they delivered dialogue with each other felt more natural naturally delivered to me than any of the adults okay fair just the way they conversed um and i think there i think daryl was the pudgy white kid i think um yeah immediately when i heard him talking it, i could not stop thinking about the stocky like fat kid from shrek 2 or 3 do the roar. Do the roar. Yes. Yeah, there are. See, for me, it w I couldn't not relate to him or relate him to the kid from Bad Santa. 
Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Um, yeah. I can't remember that kid's name in that, like Thurman Merman or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but for me, like, th- th- those two specifically, every time, like, they interacted with Swamp Thing and he gave them, like, the, hey, thumbs up thing. In my head, the A-Team theme song played right when he did the <laughs> thumbs up. Like, that's the end of this expect- segment of the movie, kids. Yeah, and you expect it to, like, still screen and credits start to roll. And, like, all right, we'll see you next week. And yeah. knowing's half the battle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, honestly, I will say this. This was going to sound weird. I didn't actually find Heather Locklear's acting in the context and what she was given to do. I didn't find it that bad. I agree. Like within every scene, I was like, okay, I believe her. I buy what she's saying. What she's saying is is dumb in the context of, of everything that's <laughs> happening here. But she, her acting was, was pretty well done. Yeah, I think she came across pretty charismatic yes. for, as far as I know, being an early role for her. And I'm Especially with you, I think film. the writing was just fucking terrible. Like, yeah. the, what she was saying was pointless and stupid, but she said it well. Yes. Like, I don't know how to describe it other than that. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm on board with that. I, I agree. Yeah, she was, she was making lemonade out of the lemons. Ah, yeah. there you go. Put, put that on the poster. Please come see the movie. <laughs> Heather Lockley <laughs> makes lemonade, lemonade out of our lemons. <laughs> uh, the only, only other uh, actor call out that I'll make real quick is that uh, Sarah Douglas, who plays Dr. Zarell, the booty call, is uh, previously, she already had a DC movie history. She was one of the uh, three uh, what were their characters' names? Uh, the, the, the three criminals who were put into the Phantom Zone in Superman. Oh. Yeah, okay. So yeah, she, yeah. in the Christopher Reeves, she's in Superman 1 and 2, uh, which both occurred well before this, several many years before this, and uh, and then she had a one episode appearance in 2018 on Supergirl on CW. Oh, nice. Hmm. Okay, they do a good job of kind of tying those knots back together. So, Neat. I probably saw her in the show, but just didn't realize it was her. Yep. Uh, Andy, characters and actors, what do you think? Um, no one really stood out to me <laughs> in this movie, honestly. No. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, um, the one security guy, I guess. Gun. Like the main Merc guy? Yeah, yeah. He, I don't know if he was supposed to, but he's just sort of like annoyed the piss out, the piss out of me the whole movie. <laughs> you say annoying you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's intentional. I think that was his intended character arc. Again with the arcs. <laughs> like I think I, I think uh Mike and Josh got a kick out of the kids. I got a kick out of that guy. That that Jason Siegel was gun the Merc guy. I okay. found him hilarious. I, I think he was you know, once you once you start figuring out the tone and that this movie's not supposed to really make sense or or, or just lean into the campy and weird. That he's he fits right at home with all that stuff, and I was fine with that. I got I got more laughs out of him, and probably secondly the kids. But I felt like the kids just could have been cut out completely, so I wasn't really worrying about them. But between between those two things, made me at least laugh watching the movie. Okay, I I did like when he rushed back in for his big finale with a chainsaw, only to have it disarmed immediately and then killed like the next movement 
Well, you, yeah, they, was... they do the fake out where you like you think he's first Swamp Thing throws a grenade at him, which I'm like, where the fuck did Swamp Thing get a grenade? <laughs> and then he blows him up in the truck, and I'm like, oh, he's dead. And then he just shows back up, only to be killed by a grenade again. Yep. I was like, this is great. Like, this is so stupid. <laughs> but, but no doubt this time, because they were tucked into his pants. Yeah. And it was more than one grenade, wasn't it? Wasn't it like two? I don't well, know, I but think... that was the point where he was just like, oh, shit, and tries to yeah. run away and just blows up. <laughs> I think Swamp Thing put a grenade on him, but I think he had other grenades on him as well. Yeah, he was already. strapped. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Andy, anything else? Um... Louis Jordan or whatever. I don't yeah. know. He's just he's sleazy. I don't know. I, I don't know what, a better way to put it, but he just like he, he just was that good or bad. I, I mean, did that work for the character for you? I think it worked for the character, but I I I I'm now associating that guy with like a sleazy role. So <laughs> he's like typecast in my head now. <laughs> I mean, he as... played a Bond villain, correct? Yeah. Yes. Did we talk about this the last time? We did. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, I, I don't think I felt it as much in the first movie, but this one, I definitely did. Just felt that Bond villain persona from this. Yeah, because yeah, like the scenes, what the scenes needed to achieve wasn't nearly as much. Like, I hate to say it, the the the, the story beats, I think, in the first movie, because you also had an origin story of creating, like, meeting Alec Holland and the accident right. and him discovering himself, etc., like there were less story beats, there were less things to explain and ha- to have happen. So, yeah, he like really I think leans into like the malevolence, yeah, of of, of his scene time. So, do the monsters count as like characters? Sure, uh, if you want to. Sure, yeah, yeah. What the, the fuck clock, was so that? What, what the fuck was that weird sucker fish fucking thing? <laughs> where the hell? They never <laughs> oh, even oh, explained where the fuck that Cthulhu? came from. Huh? Quote, failed experiment. I... That's all we get. No, they called it a leech at some point. Yeah. They referred to it as a half leech, half man. I referred to it as Lab Coat Cthulhu. Uh, <laughs> That's my first thought. Was it. yeah, was Cthulhu, yeah. I think um, it like it looked more like an octopus monster of some kind, but it they refer to it as the leech the, the leech monster that escaped. Oh, did they actually make mention of it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they said something about some yeah, something made its way out through the swamp or something. Okay, like that. so yeah, I missed not a cut. I, I didn't pay close attention there, I guess. But um he was pretty pointless too. <laughs> Got to have something to to kickstart, I guess. People running away and screaming from things to have Swamp yeah. Thing fight them. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's dispatched what halfway through the movie. I thought so. is he uh, yeah. is he actually die? is he killed at the, tra- the like the trailer park fight thing? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't the, even remember the... if I doesn't he recall like, seeing it or not. Tank with something and explode. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Like, which is weird, because it's like just a pole or a bat or something that he's swinging, and it just hits a propane tank, which then it blows up. Which, if we have nothing else to add for characters and actors, I think is the best segue we're going to get to special effects and explosions. Yeah, okay. go right ahead. Um, yeah, so I'm going to start the timer. Um, I think... And I was trying to text Ian. I'm like, you're missing this because the explosions are already ten times better than what was in the first movie. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that little camper blows up, and chain reaction kills like six to other cars after that, and the explosion yeah. it just kept going. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> the explosions made me happy in this movie. I'm gonna say, 
they did a good job with the explosions this time. And for having a smaller budget, too. Like, that's amazing. And and let me lay this out for you. There is a scene where Swamp Thing is driving a Jeep with Heather Locklear in the the passenger seat, firing a shotgun at absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah. With explosions going off everywhere around them and guns firing in every direction. Nothing hitting them, but it is fucking amazing. And then she gets a grenade and she cooks it perfectly (laughs) to hit that front gate. She cooks that grenade, man. It impacts the gate and explodes at that exact moment. That, I almost that feel like that's an that's a amazing. like action sequence that goes on too long. Like it's just feel like it's them driving circles in the front yard with explosions <laughs> yeah. going off. And there's at one point, again, leaning into the tone of what this director's resume is, there's one shot of like a whole squad of just hot chicks with guns that show up and just yep. start shooting yeah, for no is. apparent reason. I was yep. like, where the fuck did these people come from? <laughs> Who cares? Like, what the hell? Yeah, Although, dude. Mike, I was hoping you were going to bring this one up. I'm just throwing it in here because we're sort of on the topic. When she gets in the Jeep with him, I think my favorite line in the movie is, I love it when guys peel out. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, what the hell is this movie? Like, <laughs> that, that's the line so, that Brian sent me. <laughs> when he's fighting, um, the fight we were just talking about at the trailer park or whatever. Yeah. There is one punch that happens that we hear three times. <laughs> they, they they show the punch start, and then they cut away to the kids, and you hear, like, pop, pop, pop. And then they cut back to the same punch ending. Like, if you <laughs> cut out everything in there, it would make one flowing punch, because that's exactly <laughs> what happens. Well, that, oh, against the leech monster? Yeah. The other thing that doesn't make sense, and it has to do with special effects, is why were the poles they were fighting with all of a sudden... Yes. Laden with electricity. Yeah. What was that? That That's the leech monster's power. And then oh. Swamp Thing absorbed it or some shit. Because <laughs> reasons. It's not even every hit. It's like no. every other. There's suddenly yeah. there's a lightning effect. Yeah. They, they're opposing um, alkali metals or something that react <laughs> that way when they get hit against one another. I don't even know if that's true about alkali metals. Don't take me on that. I just threw it out there. Um, uh, you know, one thing I will say, like, the explosions were good. I was very impressed, actually, with the explosions in this movie. I, for as weird and fucked up as some of these creatures looked, I thought the makeup and costumes were pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they definitely improved, they improved and I think Swamp on the thing Swamp Thing. Really good, yeah. especially they compared Im- to the first movie. Way better. Yep. Yeah. Definitely an improvement. Um, at first, so, like, when the first scene's happening with the leech monster, I started to write a negative thing before I realized it was a lab coat. I thought it was a shitty costume where I feel like, <laughs> I can see that it's cloth. God. <laughs> and then I, because that's what the first one was. You could see like the crutch, like, right. you know, where it was pants and it wasn't actually him. You could see these things in the first one. So I was expecting that in this one and this one, I was like, he looks like he's just wearing in like clothes mm-hmm. yeah. that they painted. But of course, it was a lab coat, so that that worked out okay. Um, and elephant face, I got to bring up elephant face again. That <laughs> looked awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I was surprised for for how little we sort of see all the like, like someone put that much time and effort for these weird ass experiment failures that really get no screen time. Like you're yeah. not really dwelling on them very often. They're just there in the background to hang out, but that's it. How yeah. long did somebody work on that? That's what I mean. Like, yeah, like cockroach guy. I mean, they put a lot yeah. of effort into making that guy look like a like a bug, even yeah. though I hated the noise he was making. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, looked awesome. Uh, Josh, anything to add for special effects explosions? 
Uh, only don't forget the. I don't even know what to call them. Like sparkles of life that occur after they blow him up, and they want to show him, like the <laughs> essence of him traveling through the waterways and the swamp, and you get it's all like illuminated and and iridescent and shit. Um, and then you get the same thing in the closing shot. That's how he brings her, like, resurrects her. This is like yeah. by by imbuing her with the green. Um, I mean that just screamed '80s computer graphics industry infancy. Yeah, yeah. even the sprout that comes out of her foot. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost forgot about that. Or the shit but on the... his hand when he gets the wrong stuff. <laughs> oh, arcane. The, um... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The plantation explosion was actually really good. I thought. Oh yeah, yeah. That's another big explosion too. Yeah. Yeah. I, would, I mean, this is a ten out of ten explosions. <laughs> like this, this movie had a lot of them, and they were pretty fun. I I don't understand the scope and scale of the explosion rating system, so I can't say what score it is. But I thought it was cool. I, I mean, mean, you can you can give it whatever you want, Andy. If you think it was ten out of ten explosions, that's your bar. Yeah, I mean, you just gotta, whatever, you know, you feel in your jellies, you know? You know what? I'm just gonna give it one awesome thumbs up. (laughs) There you go. You have your own rating scale now. You just made it. Yep. Is that out of a possible two, or is that just (laughs) one awesome? Is the awesome the rating, or is the one the rating? No, no, you'll be able to tell by my Swamp Thing smile as I hold up my thumb. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be great if we could see your face right now. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, zip it, you. (laughs) <laughs> um all right anything else for special effects explosions um nope. no Last no i've like, got no other no. notes okay i was just uh, taking a quick check andy we got soundtrack and directing still on the board what do you want to what do you want to hit i'm gonna go with soundtrack all right because i actually one. oh did you start it yep good all right um i was actually really excited about this movie because they started playing Born on the Bayou by Creedence Clearwater <laughs> Revival. And they started showing like all these old comic book like appearances by Swamp Thing. And I'm like, man, this is rocking. Like, I am like excited about this movie. It's really it's like, you know, things are popping up. I'm I'm like looking at all this stuff. And um Jesse even exclaimed, like, oh wow, that was Arkham Arkham Asylum. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a DC character. He probably crossed over with Batman at some point. And we were like, oh, that's cool. Maybe this movie will be cool, you know? <laughs> and that is, I, in my opinion, the best part of the movie is, <laughs> is that Born on the Bayou with the Swamp Thing comic book overlaid. Like, uh, and I, I had these unreal expectations about the movie. Like, wow, this is a really cool little segment here. And then I. Honestly, I I cannot tell you what the rest of the soundtrack sounded like. I think that's the only licensed song, right? That was the only one they yeah. used that was licensed. I think they twice. used it twice. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, opening and closing credits. I can't recall any like themes or anything necessarily. So I feel like I noticed something popping up every time Swamp Thing shows up to be a hero. Like it'll just like cut to him standing there like ready to kick someone's ass and you get some sort of a theme but I don't remember what it sounds like. I feel and now like that you... Mike mentioned the A-Team theme, that's all I hear when I try to, try to picture those shots <laughs> from the you, movie. That's what you want it to be. So it's like, <laughs> you want it to be like, dun, 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 
and you're like, yes, but it's not dun, what it is. <laughs> like, I, it's what it should be. I yeah, I didn't make many notes for this section, but the one, the two things I did was CCR, and then in that opening fight when the uh, Tuthu is is attacking the uh, uh, the the accountant's retreat exercise, I uh, <laughs> I noted that yeah, when Swamp Thing finally enters the frame, there is like this like slight horn section used for a bar or two. I was like, oh, okay. So that was actually well leveraged and maybe that's going to be like Swampy's kind of theme, like hero theme throughout it. And I think they kind of revisited it for a moment later on in, in some other scene uh, where he comes around. But um, regarding CCR, uh, th- this just happens to be like a coincidence. So I'm going to mention it. Um, I came across something during my work trivia game that I run uh, and the question earlier this week was what was the first movie that the soundtrack licensing rights exceeded the budget of the film and their their answer was Clerks but okay. that's exactly what this made me think of like comparatively how much did they have to pay CCR for using Born in the Bayou twice versus how much oh, yeah. the movie cost to make I always wondered how like the costing for like licensing music works. Is it like you pay for use of the song, however long and many times you use it, or do you pay per use? I'm sure it can vary. Because maybe it's not. Maybe I mean I mean I imagine it's not an ex- a cheap song to license, but maybe they just paid one licensing fee to just use it, and then they just that's why it's so extended, and they use it as often as they can because that's sure. what they got. The, you know that's what they paid for. Definitely could have. And, I mean, what I can say, that intro, I, I agree with Andy. I You know, I talked about the kids being the best part of the movie, but that intro is the best part of the movie, and it's the only part of the movie I will rewatch. That <laughs> intro set the fucking tone for an awesome yeah. movie that they no, didn't yeah. deliver. And no, yeah, like, I, I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. I'm like, this is really cool. And then it was just like, everything was like, slippery, fucking swamp. <laughs> slide down it was bad well and i mean for me like i'm watching it when i first put it on i'm like is this like is this the where marvel got the idea for their comic flip marvel Mm. intro thing because this this is probably the first time somebody put actual comic book art directly into a real movie yeah. You know what I mean? Just right on screen for you to see. Not in somebody's hand in the background or anything like that. Like, actually drawing attention to the art that inspired the movie. Because Superman, everybody knows, but they didn't really, you know, front and center the comic itself. Yeah. So, I mean, kudos to these guys for that, for, you know, throwing it up to the comic itself that inspired it. That was awesome. And, this, again, Board on the Bayou is the perfect song for fucking Swamp Thing. Like, you're not, like, it's it's so on the nose, but it's perfect. Um, I think I was sort of with like I, I like I realized the song was on the nose, and I'm like, do I love this? And then I'm thinking about it, like, you know what? Yes, yes, I do love this. This is great. <laughs> um, anything else for soundtrack? No, Most, can I? I would say oh, go ahead. Real quickly, like, mostly, mostly otherwise forgettable. I, I feel like it probably had a lot of just action tv and like 80s action tv and movies type score 
throughout and you know the the, the more actiony scenes and whatnot but otherwise quite unfor you know quite mostly forgettable um I think that there was one or two times where him, Swamp Thing and Heather Locklear, him and Abby, were uh, doing their woodsy time, either during um, <laughs> sexy hallucination time or time. when they were otherwise just like out out in like the wilderness more. Where I, I do recall it being like they at least appropriate tr appropriately tried to use the music to set a mood of some sort like of a the scene. scene a little bit more like yeah lighter a little bit more <laughs> yeah. ethereal feeling I, yeah i definitely think they attempted some sort of heroic swamp thing theme and i think it, it's i i feel like i was conscious of it showing up at least two or three times i don't remember exactly when but i know it's like when he swoops in to try to save the kids i think it's there and like when he swoops in to try to save abby a couple times it's there but again i just don't remember how it went to be like oh yeah that's the theme when i hear it it's, I just know they, they attempted it, but maybe I was just too distracted with all the other weird shit that was happening. It didn't make sense that it pulled me out of the listening to the music. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think I, I give them, uh, you know, an A for effort, but it's just like Josh said, it's just not memorable. I don't remember anything, but I, I think they attempted. So the one thing I did have that I wanted to give you is... Something I, I meant to mention with special effects and explosions that'll give you a good, like, turn into directing. Okay. Um, and this is just a question of why every director, during what seemed like the entirety of the 70s and 80s, um, felt like every swamp in every place on every part of the earth uh, was always steaming like a witch's cauldron. And this is no exception to the point where it's like they just dumped a shit ton of dry ice and wherever the hell they were and just let it steam. And it's yeah. like, I've been to actual swamps. They don't steam. That's not a thing. Unless it's like a really cool morning leading into a hot day, there's no steam. And even then, yeah. it's like minimal. It's not that, that, like, what the hell? Who told them that's what a swamp looks like? I mean, I'm sure that's just the aesthetic. Like, it just looks cooler in film. Like, I, I'm sure it has no real, like, bearing on the real world. That's just, hey, it looks cool. Let's do that. I don't, it's just, I don't know. It seems like every movie that goes to a swamp always does that. Well, yeah. I think spe even specifically this one, I don't think they're going for really, like, screen accurate st stuff. I don't think they give oh, shit. Oh, no. No, I, I just know it's like a trope of the time. Like, any time yeah. you would be anywhere yeah, yeah. near a swamp, you would have that thing. And I'm just like, it, 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 no, why is that a thing? But, um, sorry. All right, so for, for directing, since it's the last one, who wants to kick off directing? Any volunteers? I'll you go pick. for it since nobody else said it. All right, Mike. Good. Um, There's some cool shots. We just talked about the intro. Uh, The intro does like a swirled shot out into a swirling green goop in the lab. Uh, That was kind of cool. It was a cool little like transition that they did where like, you know, the end of the intro, you know what I'm talking about here? Do you remember this? Yeah, because it was sort of dizzying. Yeah. <laughs> um, And they do a lot of... They do several cuts like that uh, in the movie. I can't recall any other specific examples, but they, they do it a few times. Um, The intro, yeah, good, all that. Um, Lots and lots of objectified women was a note that I made. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah. given this guy's future in the softcore porn industry <laughs> um that makes sense now it's still not okay but it makes sense as to um what was going on um 
it, I mean, other terms of directing, I, I don't know, man. Just like, I, I mean, you could write a, I, like it honestly, as a, an intentional campy B movie kind of thing, it's really not that terribly done. Yeah. In terms of that. I'll agree. Yeah, I think I'll agree with that. I think when when you understand the tone of what this movie is going for, you look at this director's body of work. I think a lot of that makes sense, and the fact that it makes sense and like you know works the way you would expect it to, looking at what this guy has done, you're like, yep, okay. If if he's gonna make a Swan Thing movie, this is this is what I would expect it to look like, and that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and we, he also has a thing with feet. Um, like a Tarantino kind of thing with feet. Several times we see, like, chase sequences, people, like, running after one another, and we're seeing more shots of their feet than we are of, like, their faces and their Mm -hmm. upper body. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, that was kind of weird. Um. Yeah. I thought the, uh, flashback to his, um, origin story was kind of unnecessary. Agree. Yeah, I'm surprised. I don't know. I mean, I kind of, I kind of liked that they showed it of the movie. Like, I figured it would have been a prologue of sorts, if, if yeah, at all. Yeah, I think it. I agree. It probably would have worked better there, just to give you like a ref- like last time on Swamp Thing, and then you you do that. <laughs> um, but you know, just the fact that instead of just monologuing his origin to her, I kind of liked that they tried to visualize a little bit and be like, oh, remember when this happened? So it sort of happened over his narration. That I I don't know that kind of worked for me actually. They they did that, but and then wh- they didn't actually like tell you what Swamp Thing has been doing since. Yes. Yeah. So like, why do a rehash of the origin story when you don't know? You, there's no nothing connecting the two dots for for him. I will agree. Given the two, whether like fill in the gaps between these two movies or re-explain your origin again, I would rather fill in the gaps between the two movies and know what the hell is going on. I agree with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but one of the other notes I have about a, a dumb thing at the end, um, whatever happens, happens. I can't remember exactly what causes the overload in something that has a self-destruct sequence on this building. Why does everything have a self-destruct sequence? <laughs> I don't know. But something causes the thing to start exploding, basically. But it's on a timer. Why does it? Ha- Why is it on a timer? It started to explode on its own. It's already exploding. It, it's got a self-destruct sequence. Like, this is totally... Why would there be self... Why is it necessary? It doesn't make any sense. Suspense. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I get that, but, like... Artificial that... suspense. <laughs> yeah. Everything it works just... better with a ticking clock. That's movie 101. Yeah, but, I mean, why not have it be, like... The guy, um, Kane? Arcane? Arcane? Why not have him just set the self-destruct then? As opposed to it saying, like, the thing, the the loudspeaker says after, I think it's like after something happens. I can't remember exactly what happens there at the end, but, like, I think it's the, the inhaler guy gets, like, tossed into a thing and it causes an overload. Yep. And the whole thing's gonna explode. And it's like... Why not just have him die in that thing and then Arcane be, like, injured enough that he just triggers the self-destruct to tie and get revenge? As opposed to this inexplicable reason that everything's going to blow up anyways and we have a self-destruct timer. 
It just seems lazy. I, it probably is. I, I, would, I would class it up to, or, you know, chalk it up to being lazy. Lazy lazy storytelling, yes. Yeah. So, did we decide what the choreography fell under category-wise? Was that special effects? Did I miss it? Uh, either way, I mean, direction at this point is sort of our catch-all. We could probably assume the director had a hand in everything, so. The fighting choreography was bad. <laughs> bad, like 80s bad, meaning good? No. <laughs> and I, I don't understand like didn't he didn't he like tear a car in two in the first movie yeah swamp that he did swamp pick thing, up some stuff yeah yeah or no he stopped it dead yeah so he's okay. he's powerful as ever and even when he's fighting those two uh moonshiners that are trying to get abby like he throws one of them, and the guy literally goes one step and falls on his ass. Like if he's <laughs> if something's gonna throw somebody, like a normal hopped up hick, you would think that he would go like I don't know, flying. Yeah, he'd launch him like a football. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> get a nice tight spiral on him and watch him go. Yeah, I think there's, not even just the fighting. There's one moment where I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Just standing there, like he. Abby gets abducted. They put her on that riverboat thing. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but he's standing there at the edge of the swamp watching them, and I feel like it took the longest fucking time for that boat to turn around and actually leave, that he's just sitting there watching them, like, do something. They're in the swamp, which is like your home world. Do something. There's uh, sort of an allusion to this, I guess, with the fact that he gets blown up and then can kind of reconstitute himself later. Um in the swamp book things or swamp thing books that I did read, he learns the ability to effectively teleport himself to any other place on earth as long as it's connected through the ground. Okay. So it it, it can't go really as far as like crossing an ocean, but he could you know, if he needs to go across town, across state, he can use uninterrupted ground and sort of reform himself by just transferring his consciousness through the green and utilizing the plant life and whatnot in that area to then like reform his body in that spot. Right. Okay. Um, I'd buy that. So given what you're saying, like that would have been an obvious thing to pull from like, Oh, you're just, you're like 10 feet off of the bank here and you're trying to get your boat yeah. turned around. I guess I'll just hang out here and look, uh, look helpless. Yeah. <laughs> It was just it was just a lot of like I, I feel like I glanced away and when I looked back the boat was still turning around to leave with her and I'm like okay this is officially taking too long. Did, did you notice? And I'm gonna blame this on directing more than special effects because it was a choice to leave this shot in the movie. But when he's fighting the Brainiac character, did you notice the head starting to pop off? Oh yeah, yes. wobbling yeah. around everywhere. It yeah. was wobbling it, well, everywhere. Like he he punched it the one time, and you can see it clearly separate from this guy's head. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the next shot, it's clear that they just glued it back on, and it's back in place. And it's like you, you didn't even bother to like retake the shot where it popped off his head. They they know that just happened because they just reattached it. It costs more film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they, they just didn't have time in the budget. His head. They don't call him. I don't uh, think one the... take Winorski for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the Damn. Brainiac character even got one shot in. No, he just kind of took a beating. He just took a beating. Yeah. And it wasn't even like a good beating. It got was just like... Tossed in the... He, he sort of just like pushed him around a little bit and threw him into the electrical chamber. 
He was thrown through like three different medicine cabinets or whatever the fuck was <laughs> oh, around yeah. the lab. Yeah. They, they yeah. John Wick took a couple hits off his inhaler, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, under a minute to go. Anything last for directing? Yeah, I got one couple real quick. Um, in the opening, sort of like maybe 10, 15 minutes, there's a really cool, like, Arcane gives his security people a directive, like, go find Swamp Thing. I think the director had a really fun time shooting the looking for Swamp Thing montage <laughs> with yeah. all the different uh, security people cuts. Um, also, the, like, s- prison cell detention thing that they put Abby in inside the house oh, somewhere yeah. The cutout in the middle of that door, she could have just fit out of. Yep. <laughs> it was big enough she could have just walked away. Um, I did like the the lab production design because they never showed you a liquid that wasn't in a glass container that wasn't bubbling. And if it's bubbling, <laughs> you know it's science. You know, th- there was a question about the lab I, ha- I had. You know, we, we get in there on the lab we get our first shots of the lab and the first impression is that these scientists are there under duress because there is armed guards watching over them do the science but they all seem to be perfectly fine with it and in on it oh yeah very, at which very point happy i was like so doing. why are the guys with guns there watching them do the science Medicine. i get that guards might guard like the outside of the compound or might be guarding the doors or something, but they're like standing there right where these people are doing this work. I'm like, what is this guy doing? They need Which to defend also, them against the science. Again, this falls into directing. One of the first notes I made on the movie is this director either has never held a gun or knows nothing about them. One of the first things we see is the worst gun discipline I've ever seen shown in a single movie. The guy not even holding the trigger? Or the... No, 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 no. The, 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 I guess... Um, the accountants were just the accountants. literally pointing the guns at each other. It was yeah. horrible. <laughs> he bumps one of them with the barrel. Yeah, it's <laughs> He turns horrible. into him and, like, nudges him with the barrel. His yeah. friend in the chest. He's nudging him with a live gun with the barrel. What is he doing? Who <laughs> thought, like... May I also say I'm totally the... psyched that you guys just accepted and moved, like, bought into my accountant characterization and kept going with <laughs> well they were they were long, what else man. was it they don't explain anything about it yeah they do they were looking for the the moonshiners they were lawmen uh, looking for moonshiners which we that what the, come I back didn't to catch that whatsoever the hicks were that swamp thing beats up when they try to you know do like the whole deliverance thing with uh-huh yeah I'm with, so, i mean i'm with you mike they don't know how to work a weapon so i'm fully falling in line with josh's accountants on holiday <laughs> explanation here <laughs> But they do explain it. These guys are government agents. I understand, but the, the way they react to to holding weapons and just not it's, it's really thing prepared like for the, any type of sheriff, engagement. The sheriff deputizes yeah. just a random group of people. Like you see that happen often. Yeah. He's like, "You guys are coming out to help me now," and he just like pulls Jack and Bill from the bar. So they're LARPing. Yeah. Fine. Yes. Yeah. Um, the last but note. Still. The last note for the, that I have for the movie that I'll point out. Did anyone else catch in the credits that Cockroach Bob is credited as self? No, no. But that is amazing. That's that just raised the score for me by half a point. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, all right, so we're gonna start to wrap up a little bit here. So we'll start with the question: Does this movie hold up, or do you think it ever really held up? Um, around the horn, we'll start with Andy. No. <laughs> Emphatically. 
Short, sweet, to the point. Uh, Josh? I'd probably have to say no on this one. I, I remember in the first this, the discussion of the first movie, I think Ian was one who said that up to that point, it was obviously by no means the best movie we had watched in, in the series yet, but it was the one he enjoyed watching the most. I yeah. kind of had like some fun watching this, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely got to go with a no on it. Mike? So, and I'm going to defend my point here. Um, as a movie that was intended to be camp, as a movie that was intended to be silly, I'd say yes, it holds up. Because that was the intent. That was clearly the intent. Um, it, it holds up as a campy B-movie. Uh, okay. which is what I believe it was in the first place. Yeah. So I would say in that context, yes, it holds up to be watchable for a good laugh today. Okay, fair. Yeah, I I actually think I'm going to agree with Mike on this. I think I think for the tone of what it's going for, I think it's fully aware of what movie this is. Yeah. Um and that makes it uh yeah, hold hold up. I think it does hold up. I think I think if you're looking for that type of movie, this fits that bill. It does not fit that bill for me. I don't think it's something I would want to watch really ever again, or I don't think it holds up for me, but being what it is and what it set out to do, I think, yes, it holds up. And we're positive that that's what it <laughs> was billed as, and that's what it's set up and set out to that's do. That's what it's intended. Without, like, was. interviewing the director flat out and saying, what were you trying to make with this movie? Well, well, that's why mine was a no. Yeah. I mean, the whole not Because I, I don't know me. what their, you know... I don't know what their intentions were. I mean, if it's yeah, not intended to be camp, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So. But again, it, for me, like it, it, like I said, it, it's not about my personal preference towards it, like what Brian said. It's just about, I assume it's intended to be camp, and if it's meant to be camp, it holds up as camp. Fair. Yeah, I guess more more flat out like if it it does, if I'm asking myself does this hold up? Was this something I would I would watch again? No. Right. But yeah, I guess yeah, we start splitting hairs of like what they intended and what what this movie is, but I don't cuz I don't, you know, I don't know I, where what kind of circles it falls in. If it falls in like cult movie circles of I stuff like that someone actually goes back and watches again and, and again and again. I feel like there's way too many puns and way too many, like, things like that that are in this that it's not meant to be camp. Right, like, okay. I just feel like it's it, there's it, like, there's no way. Like, this was not... What's the guy that directed The Room? Oh, and Tommy. Tried, um, yeah, Tommy was Wiseau. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, like, that was not camp. That was just him being a shitty director. This, I feel like, was intended camp. You know, so I... I like, yeah, I could buy that. But that, that to, that's my own personal opinion. That's... Um, all right, so we'll, get, we'll try to get to our ratings. I'm going to spin back around to the uh, Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, and we'll see if we agree with any of these. Uh, Rotten, again, Rotten Tomatoes critic rating, 44%. Audience rating, 28%. Uh, Metacritic is sitting at a Metascore of 39 and a user score of 6.5. Uh, 
So, Andy, we'll start with you again. Where do you, where do you fall with those ratings? Do you agree, disagree with those, and what is your rating? I feel like a few of those ratings I do agree with. Um, I don't know where the six point whatever came from, <laughs> but my my thought on this movie, and I was wondering if it would change. Sometimes my ratings change a little bit based on discussion. Things brought to light that maybe I didn't notice. Um, was a three. So I think that what twenty eight percent and thirty nine percent is pretty pretty similar to what my own rating is. So you're going three out of ten for Return of Swamp Thing. Yes. Okay. Uh, Josh, you want to go next? Do you agree with the Rotten Tomatoes Metacritic, and what is your rating? Uh, I would echo a lot of how Andy characterized things. Um, and I, I, we're at a disadvantage now since our uh, our data master is not here to remind us of things, so I don't recall what I gave the first movie. But, um, yeah, I'd probably have to give this, like, I'll give it a three and a half. 3.5? Okay. Uh, Mike? Well, as I said earlier, um, it did get an extra half a point for the Cockroach Bob thing. <laughs> and I'm going to stick by that. Um, and my, my honest opinion... When I thought about how to score this movie is I enjoyed this better than the first one. Okay. So I'm going to give it higher than the first one, which I gave a 2.5. So I'm going to, I'm going to give this a 2.75, but then it gets the extra half a point for Cockroach Bob. So 3.25. So I feel like I have, I have some, maybe I'll give you guys the opportunity to change your score. Cause Ian actually sent me the spreadsheet because oh, he knew it wasn't okay. going to be here. Am I incorrect on my score? Yes. Uh, Mike, you gave the original Swamp Thing a 4. Josh, you gave the original Swamp Thing a 4.5. Wow. Okay, well, you can sh okay so 4.75. 4. So Mike's we'll going to give it a 4.25 plus the point five for Cockroach Bob. 4.75 for Mike. So, Josh, you gave this one a 3.5 off the first bat. You gave the original 4.5. Do you want to amend any of your scores here? Well, the score for this one. 4.5 is locked. Um, uh, no. <laughs> He's like, oh, I liked it better, but that would mean I'd have to probably at least give it a 5, and I don't think it's worth a 5, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, so you're sticking with 3.5? Yep. 3.5, okay. This, this, this movie, I think I gave... This movie what? had no Jude, so it gets a lower score. <laughs> what was my original? Uh, Andy, original Swamp Thing was 6. Yeah. For you. Okay. I like. I actually like the original Swamp Thing. This one Good. was just a, a bucket of poo. <laughs> bucket of poo. Um. Or whatever was coming out of Arcane's body after he killed him with the broadsword. <laughs> um, Swamp mess. Yeah, so my 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 rating for the original Swamp Thing was a two point five. Uh, and I'm kind of with uh, uh, Mike and. Josh on this one. I think I think I did enjoy this one more. Not because it's a better movie, but I just felt the viewing experience more enjoyable. Like there was more stuff that I laughed out that I was like, okay, I, I get this joke. I get what they're doing here. The puns and stuff like that. Like just the over the top stupid nature of this movie is just fun to laugh at and sort of make fun of. So I enjoyed my viewing experience better. Um so that being said, I'm gonna give it a little bit of a rate a better rating, but not great. So I'm still I'm gonna go with Josh and go three point five on this one. Every time we read yeah, my, my rating was entirely based off of 
above what the last one was. Yeah. Whatever. I, I thought I'd get to a 2.5 as well. I, I was wrong. Yeah, that's... Sorry, Josh. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. That's the, I was just going to say, like, related to that, every time that we get reminded of scores from previous things, the further we get into this, I realize I, I really wish I could amend a lot and, and like, re reestablish my scale yeah somehow but yeah there's no i'm sorry there's no way i was going to give this higher than a 4.5 so it's <laughs> it just is what it's like i i yeah if i could amend i would give the first one probably the 3.5 and give this a four or four and a half but we are where we are can, can i have a make your case bob asterisk on mine <laughs> <laughs> josh you can try to make your case to ian but i'm sure he will not allow you to edit this oh no he, he 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 steadfastly is not including my my watchman rating so there's no he, way he, he did make it a point to tell me he's like i'm sending you the spreadsheet in case you want it or need it for anything but also if josh tries to give me a watchman <laughs> rating don't let him do it <laughs> so he, he's right he knows you gotta be there for the show his return of swamp thing rating does not count whatever it is that that's is right great. i think he's basically just not going to watch it i think he knows he missed it he can't get a score on the board so he's not even going to worry about it he should. Well, I still want to get his reaction. I, I keep point. telling I him. Yeah, I know Josh has it. said that to him. I've said that to him. Yes, I think Ian, if you're listening to this this far in, you should definitely still watch this movie. Yes, ten out of ten explosions. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think you could definitely give it a ten out of ten explosion. Uh, all right, so that concludes our discussion for the Return of Swamp Thing. So now we get to go to the Wheel of Fate. The Wheel of Fate. Uh, so our four standalone movies that are right now on the board, we have Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, Supergirl, The Kitchen, and Speed Racer. Uh, our two franchises, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, is still on the board. Our replacement for Swamp Thing is Ghost Rider. So we will see how Can that goes. Can I ask goes. a clarification question on the Turtles? Does that uh, go sure. up to the present day stuff? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, like, Out of the Shadows would be the last one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to see if we had those separated or in one. So, we still have four movies in that franchise. We have Back two, to three. Secret five. of the Use, three TMNT. Samurai, whatever, the TMNT, the cartoon, and then the two new ones. Yeah. Five. Yes. Yeah. Five yeah. more. Um, and we, we I, I sort of teased it earlier. We've been, we've been sort of talking off air about uh, just the our, our curated huge list of movies we have to go through. Uh, we started looking at how many movies are actually considered part of a franchise and, and the numbers, just sheer number of movies, and it seems to far outweigh the standalone movies that we have. Um, our, our sort of idea was that we wanted to keep a variety going, so we wanted to try to not get bogged down in a bunch of franchises and lose sight of the standalone movies. So lately we've been getting a lot of standalone movies because the wheel is weighted that way. So I think going forward, after this week, um, if another standalone movie gets picked, we're going to sub that out with another franchise. So we will start doing three franchises and three standalone movies to try to start feeding into more franchise stuff to try to cut into that. Since even even with this, we're still going to get – the franchises are going to carry us for years and years and years. And they keep – some of them keep going. Like we've talked about the MCU. The MCU is still putting out movies. So yeah. that th that – if that makes it on the board, it's – it, there's a chance it might stay there f just forever. Uh, and we, we will always have sort of like the safety net of an MCU movie to look forward to if it lands on the wheel. We'll see. Uh, so yeah, just as sort of a, a heads up of what's coming. We will, we will probably be revamping the wheel a little bit uh, in the coming weeks. So you can, you can look forward to that. We'll see what it does for our, for our wheel. Um, all right. So now I have to share this wheel with these guys. 
Share screen. All right. You can see the wheel now, correct? Negative. Can, no. I can see no. Streamlabs wheel widget. There it is. Okay. okay. Streamlabs was covering the wheel. Actually, I'm going to move the wheel over here so that I can spin the wheel on the browser. Since I'm Skyping on my phone this time, a sc- I, would, I, I didn't even know if a screen share would work. I, I can see like the bottom 20% of the wheel. And then <laughs> we'll a lot keep of you updated. white screen, but it's a, well, I mean, you'll it'll, it'll, see the whatever title comes Yeah, it'll up, display right? at so the bottom. Be... Um, all right, so any guesses? What what do you see? What Ghost do you think Rider. It needs to be Ghost Rider. I'm going Valerian. <laughs> still holding up for Valerian. I think it'd be good to be able to still cut into Turtles a bit more, but I'm really... Oh, I'm open to everything. I mean, if I have my pick, I would want either Turtles or Speed Racer. Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. Hey, there There we go. Yay. Ian is going to be thrilled. We are watching (laughs) Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Right. I mean, cowabunga. (laughs) No, I can't wait for him to hate this movie and the rest of us love it. I think that's what we have to look forward to. Just Ian shitting on turtles for an hour and a half and the rest of us trying to defend it. So we'll see where we go. Um, Yeah, I guess that's it. That's what we have to look forward to for the next Rewind Theater. Uh, If you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Be sure to give us a share on social media. You can follow or subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher. Hopefully anywhere you find a podcast, you can find us. If you would like to keep up the show, you can find us on Facebook. Search Bry Guy and the Super Friends or go to Facebook.com slash Superfriends. You can leave us some questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that good stuff there. Uh, try to email us, BryGuySuperFriends at gmail.com. It's legit. It works. I won't check it, but it's there if you want to send us something. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BGSuperFriends. That we will see. That we'll be able to respond to. Uh, again, you can follow me on Twitch, Jedi Guy. If we... Do a live episode, which will happen sometime in the future. I just don't know when or for what. Uh, but that's where we'll do them. I'll make sure we I send out the link on Facebook and Twitter whenever we try to promote that and get ready for that. Uh, other than that, on behalf of Andy, Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time.